this is a time now where they have to figure it out. And I think that's what made a lot of Bears fans upset because they wanted to see change. And George just wasn't ready to make that change yet. And he's given Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy one more chance to figure out how to get it right. And so for me, the biggest question is I want to know what Pace and Nagy sold him on, especially at the quarterback position moving forward, like what their idea is, because that to me is it's, it's still the, the focal point. It's Mark Grody on 670 The Score, a radio.com sports station. I'm here with you until noon on The Score. And that man's voice, from whom you just heard, is the son of Walter Payton. And that's why he, Jared Payton, goes by Payton's son on Twitter. He is also one of the sports stars at WGN-TV. He covers the Bears. He covers many sports. Jared Payton joins me now on The Score. What's up, man? I miss your face. Man, I miss you too, Grody. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird to hear your voice. That means that you've been on the station a couple of times when they're playing back your your old stuff from, from back in the day. But I do have to tell you this. My yeah. buddy TJ and my buddy Adam are huge fans of yours, and they're listening. They want me to tell you hello. I'm not cool anymore. The people who I get a chance to talk to are cooler <laughs> than me, so they wanted me to tell you what's up. Oh, TJ and Adam, shout out to you guys. So I'm glad that you and I, Jared, are both propping each other up because I am sure that there are people listening that know me and be like, oh, that's cool, man. It's Jared Payton. I've seen him on TV. He's Walter Payton's son. That's awesome. So it's all about it's all about propping each other. Dude, that is the one thing, and we're going to get into hardcore Bears talk here. One of the things that I love about you is the fact that you, unlike some other – um, offspring of celebrities, whether it's sports stars or superstars, you really embrace being the son of the greatest football player of all time and Walter Payton, don't you? I do, Mark. I mean, it, it's it's weird because, you know, even with my son growing up, he he knows he knows that his grandpa is the best. But he, he also loves these new age guys like Patrick Mahomes and DK yeah. Metcalf. And I was trying to I tell him all the time, grandpa could do everything that all these guys can do even at the quarterback <laughs> position. Yes, so it, he can throw. It, it really doesn't matter. But I'm going to tell you, man, He, uh, as I grew up and started to love the game of football and understand the game of football, yeah, he's the best. And uh, hands down, pound for pound, I've watched so many different people. And, you know, people might say Barry Sanders is a better runner. And Jim Brown could do this. And all these guys, I respect all those guys. But when it comes down to pound for pound, um, there's no better football player than than that guy number 34 with that Jerry curl and that Ruse headband. So um, I'm always <laughs> going to rep him. And he's and he's not here, Mark, to do it. So I have to do it. He's not here. Now he wouldn't do it if he was here. But you know that's just that's my job. That's one of the things that I, I, I really carry to my heart. Yeah, and I I appreciate it, and I know lots of other Bears fans listening appreciate it as well to keep the legacy alive, and just you know, like like you just did, just to remind people that there have been other great great running backs, and there will be great running backs in the future. But if you want the all-purpose package, and to my knowledge, the only one who sported and rocked the Kangaroos, it's Walter Payton. Yes, yes, sir, yes, sir, man. There's a uh... I actually sit and wonder, though, Mark, what he would be thinking about right now about this team. Like, what would what, if we were having these conversations? And I'm still in the media, and you know, working at WGN, and we're having a conversation. I just want to know 
what his thought process would be on what's next for this ball club as they head into this 2021 season. Yeah, man. And it it would be hard to predict. And you would think that, you know, a lot of the, the quote unquote old schoolers would say, hey, let's get back to, you know, playing running football and all that kind of stuff. But that doesn't exist as much in this NFL. So I will ask you, Jared, and we heard the clip of you coming in. I believe that was when you were on the score with Zach Zabin recently. Have you figured out what direction Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, as you were wondering out loud at that point, obviously several weeks ago, have you figured out what they might be thinking at the quarterback position? No, I really, I, I'm still at, I'm still trying to figure this thing out because uh, it, the, the guys that are are linked to the Bears, that's it's still a question mark on what are those teams going to do and how much you know capital they want to be able to make those those things happen with Sean Watson and Russell Wilson. I've been seeing a lot of the Wilson talk about him coming to Chicago, but it's just hard for me when, you know, when you're a team that's searching for a quarterback, right? Like a, a team and a franchise that's searching for a quarterback, you'll do anything to get them. And then you have these organizations that have these guys that are, that are top notch quarterbacks, top tier, and you're trying to keep them. Um, when you don't have one, Mark, you know it's a it's a problem. And every organization that doesn't have that franchise quarterback is in the same position that the Bears are in now. And so, um, I mean, pipe dream, Russell Wilson would be great, uh, but I just don't see that happening. Uh, I just have a hard time. And I don't know what the relationship is with Pete Carroll and everything else. I know he's unhappy with getting hit as many times as he has, and which if you have a quarterback or like – Russell or Deshaun, to me, you do everything that you can in your power to be able to to make sure that they're happy and that you're putting the right pieces around them. And um, I go back to even with Mitchell Trubisky and people talking about, you know, from when he started to where we are right now, that's the same thing that I, I was always saying, is that you have to be able to surround him if this is this is the guy that you know. And I've always said, I love Mitchell Trubisky, um, had a chance to be around him. Anybody that's had a chance to be around him knows he's a great, great guy. And I was saying, too, but if you watch his film like I did come out of college, I watched every snap that he had his last year at UNC. Mm-hmm. And basically almost the, the same exact thing that I, I saw throughout his career as a Chicago Bear where, you know, you see flashes and then you would see some inconsistencies and then you would see, holy cow, how do you make that play? And it's pretty much what you saw on Sundays with him. But you have to be able to, a guy that I knew that was going to be a project that needed to be worked on, you have to surround him with what he does best and put him in those situations to be successful. I don't know if that happened throughout his time in Chicago. So now you have to figure out now whoever is going to come, if you figure out, if you can't get those top tier guys, is there another guy that can come in? Or are you just going to rock with Nick Foles? Um, I always look at that, that offensive line and how they played in that running game at the end of the season. Scratch who they were playing. I mean, you kind of saw that when you got into that Packer game at the end of the year, when you're playing against top-tier teams, you, you have to be on top of your game. But when you're playing teams like the Texans, this team was – the Bears were running the football. And they were putting Mitchell Trubisky out in – you know, rolling him out, getting him out of the pocket and doing what he does and cutting down half of the field for him. I still wonder what Nick Foles would have done with that offensive line being a little bit more solidified at the end of the season. And so I'm not saying that he is the truth, he is the answer. Um, 
But in my mind and in Dan Rohn's mind, we've both been talking about it. We just believe that he's probably going to be your day one starter when the 2021 season kicks off. Yeah, I, I said the same thing a couple of weeks ago. I, I've I, I backed off of that a little bit. I do think that there's they're rubbing their hands together and they've got they've got you know pie in the sky plan Russell Wilson. But I do think I, at this point, as I sit here right now, I don't think it's going to be Nick Foles as the the day one starter. But you brought up a good point though, and it could be. I mean, I, I laid that out in an earlier segment as well. You brought up a great point, too, about the fact that once Trubisky came back in and the offensive line, the interior specifically of the offensive line became solidified and you put you, you swing a Fetty to the outside. And all of a sudden, not only did to some degree the quarterbacking work better, but all of a sudden, all of a sudden it clicked for David Montgomery. Yeah. All of a sudden he became a top five running back in the NFL by the numbers. Is that what we saw from David Montgomery in the second half of the season? Is Do you believe that that is what he is going forward? You can't tell me anything different at all. Like he, That's him. And I, know, I, I had these conversations and fighting with people, Mark, who, you know, when it comes to the running back position, everybody is always looking for who's that next guy. And a lot of people weren't believing in the young man. But listen, I, Mark, if you want to know who a person is, you got to look at the film and you got to look at the film before they get to where they're at. And so what I saw at David Montgomery from college, I was hoping to see, and I knew his abilities. It just was going to take a little bit of time, but you don't, you don't find, you can't just create toughness in a, in a, in a running back. You just can't. It's either you got it or you don't have it. He has it and his ability to his feet. You know, we all know that, He's not that blazer that's going to go 70 yards on you and take you, you know, my dad wasn't like that. But in between the tackles and when he's, especially when you can see the change out of him from being in the shotgun, taking snaps to being in that dot mat eye and then having either a a full back in front of him or H back in front of him where he can, you know, those, those wider zones where he can find ways to get people some movement and finding that hole back inside but yards after contact to me is what's so impressive. And he's always fighting for more yards all the time. And it's not just in the running game. He can be valuable in the passing game as well. So, yes, I knew this was that guy. That I've always said that. And I will never get off that. He, I love his game. And I see how hard he works off the field. You know, getting tapes from you know, his trainer and, and these guys that are working with his footwork and all this stuff that people see on Twitter – I get sent to me as text messages, you know, and I'm watching what he's doing. This young man has the ability to be special. And what I want to see is these guys more in the passing game as well. Him, Tariq Cohen, putting these guys in position in the slot to be able to take advantage of matchup problems with linebackers or safeties coming down because now that changes up the dynamics of your offense and it changes up how defenses have to play you. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can keep doing, but, the interior of that line is awesome. They got to figure out on, on those tackles. That has to be a main priority for this team moving forward. I love it. Talking to Jared Payton of WGN Television right now on the score. I'm Mark Grody here with you until noon on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I want to back up now because 
you are talking about the the diligent work that you have done watching film and you were talking about watching Mitchell Trubisky and all of his you know games at UNC in his final year before he was drafted. So this is what I wanted to ask you. And I didn't want to I didn't want to get the phone before I ask you this. Did you think that Trubisky then had the potential to be special and you also said that he wasn't surrounded necessarily with the right pieces in his time with the Bears. So I guess the the bigger picture question is, do you think that Mitchell Trubisky still can be a top-notch starter in the NFL with probably a different organization if he has the right people surrounding him? Like, Is that development, that ceiling still there, do you think, for Mitchell Trubisky? Uh, I mean, I definitely think a new, some new surroundings will probably be better for him. I just think that, you know, everything here in Chicago is, I mean, you have people that you either love them or you hate them, right? And I just think he had a unfair shake. Um, you know, the, where you're drafted, right? When people draft you, you know, they move up and they have, they have the conviction. And listen, Ryan Pace, that's what he felt. He felt like, you know, you're looking at the – what he came from, from the Saints. And you looked at his completion percentage in college. And you looked at some of the things. And, you know, has he been kind of constructing this offense a little bit? He's trying to find pieces in, in part kind of like the Saints, right? And he thought maybe Trubisky could be that Drew Brees. Not saying that he will ever be Drew Brees, but maybe that's what his mindset was, of taking a guy that could hopefully figure out a way to take care of the football and to get it in the hands of those playmakers. Oh, here in Chicago, just – never really worked out and um the development i don't know if it's all on him i think everybody has to take blame can't just be all on trubisky um i i believe if he goes somewhere and he gets an opportunity to have a fresh start i think the opportunity for him to keep playing and to maybe definitely be a backup be a starter i'm not sure that's the work that he's gonna have to put in to be able to do that reading defense is a lot better uh, and but then also people putting him in a, an offense that really works for him and that he that can help him thrive because he's athletically gifted. He can move. His feet are what are amazing about him, and it's also in some way the downfall of his game as well. Especially dropping back and and being more centered when he's you know being able to not throw off that back foot and mm-hmm. and, and be more confident. If he can find a way and get with someone that can really truly teach him and break down his game. Um, that's the hard part in the NFL, right, Grody? We want these quarterbacks to come in right off the jump and to make a splash because we know you only hit a certain amount of time before that rookie deal is done. And then now if you have to pay that quarterback, you're you're handcuffed to what you can do at other positions with your team. EI, what happened to Russell Wilson? I mean, there's certain things that you can't do. So we're looking so much at these rookies where – he truly needed that time to come in, having a great offensive mind. He didn't have that when he got here to Chicago. And so the problem is, is he needed time to grow. And he got thrown in the fire, and people wanted those results real fast. And in some ways, I get it. In some ways, it's unfair. So if he goes somewhere else and fresh start, I give, it gives him an opportunity to kind of break down his game and to learn a little bit more. And hopefully, let's see what he can do. But uh, here in Chicago, I think it would be – be hard for him to continue on here. Yeah, I mean, I think for for both parties, it's like one of those amicable breakups where mm-hmm. it's better off for both sides for for the Bears and for Trubisky. And the Bears did everything they could, you know, to give this guy a chance. Um, all right, couple more for you, man. 
Would you? This is what I was asking. I was asking the score list. And by the way, I've got a text message from a, a listener that I'm going to have to read to you. It's challenging you on something at, at the very end. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. But first, <laughs> one more question for me, and then I'm going to let a score texter have at you. But <laughs> um, would you? Would you concede next year? As in, would you allow for a losing season if it meant getting an elite quarterback on the Bears? Because they might have to give some real pieces up. Would would you? Can you accept, let's say, a six-win season if it meant having Russell Wilson on your roster? Oh man, man, man! True Bears fans don't they? They this is a t- this is a touchy situation, man. Like <laughs> you can't just say like. In this town that you just want to lose, I, you know what? <laughs> let me let me let me let me put it to you this way. Let me put okay. it to you this way. So, right. in that six-game losing streak this past season, I thought that that's where this team was headed. Right? Okay. I thought yeah. that's where it was headed. So, credit to these guys and the, this Bears team, and credit to to Matt Nagy for getting these guys back on track to say, "Listen, we're going to finish this season off strong." They found a way to be able to get into the playoffs. I don't care if you back into the playoffs. If you get there, you get there. It's a testament to how hard these guys work. Um, no, no, I don't. I don't want to do it because I still have a lot of faith in this Bears defense. I really do. I have okay. faith in them, and it's it's hard for me to say let's get let's just tank because now we're taking another year away from this defense. And so I, as much I thought that was going to happen this year, and I was actually to be honest, I was saying that this would be the year with all these quarterbacks that were in this draft. You know, guys that I like, like Justin Fields and. Yeah, I just maybe it was an opportunity. Next year, I just can't say as a Bears fan and a person that covers this team, I don't. It's hard for me to watch the Bears lose. It's it's I'm not like everybody else. I understand. It's not like you know what I mean. It's not. I'm yeah. not like this is this is family to me, and so I, I don't want to ever see my team lose, and so it'd be hard. And I really have a lot of faith in this defense and. Um, Let's see what they can do, man. Figure out the quarterback position, even if it's maybe in-house. If they can figure out a way to get that offensive line solidified in a run game, let's see what can happen with this defense and, and how if they, if they can still get to back to that. Not to the form of 2018, but just getting back to how they were playing at the beginning of the year last year before they had all this stuff on their shoulders. We're talking about a defense that was – an offense that wasn't able to t- consistently put together drives. You know how much pressure is put on that defense? Oh my God. It was a lot. So they broke by the end of the season. Let's see if an offense can be respectable. If they can put numbers up on the board and not put so much pressure on the defense. And then let's see where all the chips fall. All right. You ready for the text message question? Yeah. Our, yeah, our I'm ready. Texters are tough, man. They're tough. <laughs> um, trust me. Trust me, man. Um, all right, here it comes from the 708. It says, Jared Payton, earlier this season, on this station, said that Brady was not his GOAT. Ask him how he feels about that now after this season. Oh, yeah. I mean, he listen, in other people's minds, Mark, he is... He's, he's the GOAT, and rightfully so. He should be – he's in that conversation. No one's been able to do what that man's been able to do. But if you're asking me, I have to start a franchise, like, from any era, like any era with a quarterback from any era. I can choose. Yeah. Brady's not the guy that I'm – he's not the guy that I'm choosing. Give Listen, it to I, me. I, I, so, Bears fans aren't going aren't to want to hear this, but oh. my – 
The quarterback, yeah, the quarterback that I would choose is there's two of them. Okay. One, one is Dan Marino. I love Dan Marino. Oh, doesn't have any championships. God. Doesn't have any oh, championships, but I love him. So He's just a gunslinger. And the yes. other one plays in number twelve in that that for that football team for Wisconsin. Like he's, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. He's, he, he's, he's amazing. So yes. those guys are the guys that I look at when it comes to me. And no disrespect, Brady might be the GOAT. He's just not my GOAT, you know? So just like yeah, I know no. some people out, outside of the city don't see my dad as their GOAT running back, well, he's my GOAT running back. So we all can have uh, our own opinions. I love it. I love that you said Dan Marino. That is like he was and probably some of it is because I, of course, grew up a crazy Bears fan. I grew up. I was right in the wheelhouse, a junior high kid during the 85 Bears. And that team was, as you know, the only team to beat the Bears in that season because Dan Marino and Mark Duper and Mark Clayton. Yeah. And then the Bears go ahead on, and, and after that game, they record the Super Bowl shuffle and end up winning the Super Bowl. Like, that, that just amazing to me that that happened. Those guys had so much swag. It was awesome. Dude, can you sing me your dad's part right now before we let you go? Ooh, I mean, you know, eh, they call me sweetness, and I like to dance. Running the ball is like naked romance. We had to go since training camp. Bring Chicago Super Bowl chair. Now, we're not doing this because we're greedy. The Bears are doing this to feed the needy. They come here looking for trouble. We just came here to do the Super Bowl shuffle. I actually have a Rouge headband on at this time, so just to let you guys know. <laughs> You're the best, man. I, that's a mic drop from both of us. I'm getting off the air. I am done with my day. That's all I needed to hear, man. Hey, Grody, appreciate you, man. I love you to death. You are one of my favorites to talk Bears with. Just to, I'm just happy to be able to call you a friend, bro. Appreciate you. Oh, s- same, man. Thank you so much for coming on, JP. I appreciate it, man. I'll talk to you soon, okay? All right, peace. Yeah, that was the one and only Jared Payton. Uh, he was ready to go, man. I love that 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 he's such a he's such a great dude, and God, does he break it down well too? I love that all the film watching that he's doing but I love that he embraces having Walter Payton as his father like I said like there's a lot of people like and it, I shouldn't be bothered by it because I can't relate to it but it it always bothers me when celebrities sort of run from their their fame because like there's something like they want to so, you know quote unquote make it their own way and want to have their own identity, which is good. And Jared Payton obviously has totally and completely his own identity. But the fact that he is so proud and glowing to speak about, it's not like, oh, God, we got to talk about Walter again. It's not about me. No, he's like, he is representing. And I would also imagine it's pretty damn cool to have Walter Payton as your father and to teach your kids about who their grandpa was. And then their kids get to, God, that's just, that's cool, man. Um, 312-644-6767 is the number. Um, a couple of text messages before we take a break. Uh, Mark, did I just hear um, an NSL, excuse me, SNL Martin Short, um, one of the great underrated sketches in SNL history? Yes, you heard that. Is it me or is it him? It's Nathan Thurm. I'm glad for the people who caught that. I think it. I think it is. If I was to do like top ten SNL sketches, the Nathan Thurm, Mike Wallace, sixty minutes spoof would definitely about whoopee cushions 
would definitely have made my top 10 or will if I do that someday. A lot of positive reaction to the the interview with with Jared Payton. Um, and says, um, don't do much TV, so I'm not familiar with Jared Payton, but he's very, very good. Great interview. Uh, that's from the 630815. Great interview, Grody. Yeah, that that was that was really good, man. You can go a lot of different directions with with Jared Payton for sure. All right, we're gonna take a a break. Still to come, there will be more Bears talk on the show. I promise. We're gonna talk about Kyle Long later on, but I want to do a little um or a lot. I was told by a friend of mine, Dan Levy, who is a little bit of a uh, radio czar. He knows what he's talking about when he listens and talks on the radio. He's like. Why does everybody say, hey, I'm going to talk a little. I'm going to talk a little of this. I'm going to talk a little bulls. I'm going to talk a little bear. What do you mean a little? It doesn't sound good. I'm going to talk a lot of Illini basketball next on Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Little screen right here. The sumo on the drive. Yes. Pass the foul. Talk about stars stepping up. Talk about stars. And forget about the mask. Several possessions. And they came a little short. Uh, tough, tough loss. Really tough, tough loss and a great win for the Flying Fighting Illini. <laughs> I got to say, it was fun to hear Dick Vitale doing a game for a team that is relevant in Chicago. Like, I think I'm probably like a lot of people. Like, he's been... Dick Vitale is a guy that is hammered over all of our heads for the last two decades or three decades, whatever it is, forever. And his act can wear thin at times, but it's been a while since there's been a team which is consistently popping up on the national TV circuit. And I know Loyola has done some great things in the past, but it's it's Illinois. You know, it's a different ball game. It's a different attraction. And so when Dick Vitale is doing the game, it's entertaining. It's not always good, but it's very entertaining. I'm Mark Grody, Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. The Illini with a 73-68 win over Ohio State. Yeah, that was on ESPN television. The only thing, the only problem I had with Dick Vite, like all of his analysis was fine and some of it was straight up good. And I look, he was he was trending in Chicago yesterday because it's Dick Vite. And most people ripping him. I did have one I did have one critique. Um so I like a lot of you out there, if you are a true blue, orange Illini fan, you loved the 1989 U of I team. The flying Illini with Nick Anderson and Kendall Gill and all them boys. It was great. They were flashy and they were fun. And he made one, two, three references to the, this reminds me of the flying Illini. You know, like this team and... Like, that's cool. Like, get get the historical points in. It's always great to hear about those stars. But what about the 2005 Illini? This team is probably more like that team. What about Darren Williams and D. Brown and Luther Headbaby, James Augustine, Roger Powell, Nick Smith, all them boys? I do like saying them boys. We them boys. Um... Come on now, 29 and 0. They went to the final game. They almost came back and beat North Carolina. Just a little love. Just a little love for what happened in 2000. That was a great Illini team, and I was there. I covered the whole thing. I had a blast covering that. I was on the beat for the Illini 
that year covering all of their games in that tournament traveling. The farthest I had to travel was St. Louis because it was in Indianapolis. It was St. Louis. It was Rosemont, the All-State Arena, where they had that, that unbelievable, one of the great comebacks in the history of college basketball was against Arizona. I just wanted one reference to that. And again, check me out, yo. I love the Flying Illini of 1989, but you got to give a little love to what happened in 2005. That's right, 847. What about Danks, too? What about Danks? So that was the only critique I really had of the broadcast. The game, the game was the Illini did not play great in that game. So they they beat Ohio State yesterday, 73-68. I thought the Illini should have if they had made more free throws and played a little bit better defense and, and rebounded like maybe say like they did in the, in the game at Michigan. They should have, could have blown out Ohio State in that first half. Instead, it tightened up at the end of the first half. And then Ohio State, it got to the point where I thought the Buckeyes were going to win that game. But, oh, no, Io Desumu, man, he comes back, hits a driving layup with 44 seconds left that made it 70-68, to 68, makes the end one. So the Illini go up 71-68. to 68. Desumu then hits two clutch free throws. And that wasn't the thing for the Illini. The Illini sucked from the free throw line in this game. But that made it 73-68. So ironically, it's free throws that lock up the game. Oh, lock me. Um, so that was with 25 seconds left. I should back up a little bit, though, because there was a huge three by Devontae Williams, who was... I get it's Devontae Williams, but you you probably at that point in the game, minute 30 left, you probably don't want to leave a guy wide open. And that's what the Buckeyes did. And Devontae Williams hits the three to tie the game with a minute 30 left. Then the DeSumo stuff. So that was probably even, even bigger, to be honest with you, just to get, just to make, to let DeSumo then go to work and realize, okay, DeSumo, I got you. I got us back even. Now we're going to need you to go ahead and win the game. And he did, rocking that awesome mask, too. Like, it's it's amazing that it's taken us this long to get to a stylish form of that mask because we've all seen the kooky-looking plastic masks that players have worn, and they just look ridiculous. They're necessary and understandable, but they look awkward and bad and uncomfortable and all of that. But he looked like a straight superhero wearing the mask that he had on yesterday that I owe to Sumu. And then I was I was tweeting about this yesterday, and Shannon Ryan reminded us of the Chicago Tribune. She covers college basketball, reminded us that, that there have been a couple of NBA players that have rocked that mask as well. Um, Joel Embiid, whom the Bulls will see again soon. Hello, Embiid. Um, and then the other one is LeBron James. So I had never, I didn't remember that, but the Suma looked great. I hope it wasn't style over sacrificing potential health. But he he looked good, man. He looked good. And it was just at the point that Dick Vitale was saying that there's no way he could be able to play with this mask that he started to hit the big shots. So it was fun, man. It's fun watching the Illini when they're good. It really is. I mean, they, they go underground and college basketball fans go underground until a team like Illinois is good. And then we all gather around. Um, Kofi Coburn, 12 points in the game yesterday. He's a big, I, he's a guy that I really wonder like NBA wise. I'd like to talk to some scouts about him. Like where he, is he a first round pick? I don't know. I think 
maybe. Um, he's got the body, man. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he is a he is a bull down low for sure. I, I don't know if that all translates to the NBA with him. I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. Um, so Michigan, though, wins the Big Ten title. And Brad Underwood, starting to like Brad. Starting to like Brad. Brad said the following. He said, quote, I know this. Nobody won more games than us. And we've played them all. Yeah! Brad Underwood. So, I don't really care much, though, about all of that. And, yeah, number one seed means something. And the Illini will have a number one seed. But, man, it's all about the tournament. You can't be, like, the one and done. Like, I want to see a deep run from the Illini and all the Big Ten tournament stuff and who won the Big Ten regular season. It doesn't really matter. It's about what you now do in the NCAA tournament. And Loyola, by the way, will play Drake in the MVC final. Hi, Molly. So that's cool, man, that we got two teams in the state that could do real damage in the NCAA tournament this year. I think that the Illini, like with the, specifically with the road game at Michigan and then the road game yesterday at Ohio State, they have benefited big time, and ha- as have all teams this year from not having to deal with those crowds on the road. Like, this is the sport, college basketball, like no other sport. Not football, not baseball, not hockey, none of them. College basketball, the lack of a crowd is a huge effect in terms of the concentration and the focus because crowds, college kids at games are crazy and they're loud and they're enthusiastic and they have energy for the entire game. So the Illini didn't have to deal with that at Michigan. They didn't have to deal with that at Ohio State. And that has been hugely beneficial to them to focus. I don't know if they win that game yesterday if if they're dealing with a crowd down the stretch and the different level of pressure that specifically college basketball arenas can can put on a place. So, yeah, it was fun. Fun watching, and it, like I said, fun to hear Dick Vitale as well. Just give a little bit of love at some because he's gonna get another chance, right? Like probably or somebody, somebody, please, please, you know, get Luther Head, James, somebody, say something about the 2005 Illini. That's all I would ask. I'm Mark Grody here till noon on the score. Um, we had a couple people waiting. I don't know if they're still there, but I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. Mike and Berwin, you're on the score. Hi, how are you? Hey, Mike. How are you, man? Thanks for waiting. Good. Hey, you know what, though? What do you think about Richie Incognito joining the Bears? He got released by the Raiders yesterday. I don't know. Is he still good? Yes, he's still good. Very good. <laughs> All right. Um, thanks, Mike. Thanks for the call. I don't know. I honestly, like, I have not thought about Richie Incognito for a while since he was in the news. Um first blush if he's still good and I haven't watched much of him and I haven't zeroed in on his game. So you guess what I'm going to do here, Mike? I'm going to give you a big, uh, a big, I don't know, but I, I appreciate you calling Wayne and Lafayette. Hey Wayne. Hello there, Mr. Grody. How are you, oh. my friend? Oh, Wayne. <laughs> good. What's up, buddy? Hey man, I'll tell you what, if it wasn't for you and Lawrence Holmes and a few of you others at the, at the score, this would have been a terrible winner. But I'll tell you, you guys are doing a fine job anyway. But, hey, I got I got two things for you here, Mark, old buddy. Uh, the, the the scenario for the Bears for a quarterback and then the Wayne from Lafayette scenario for the Bears for a quarterback. Oh, 
The scenario oh, for the Bears Wayne. is just simple. I'm on, I know you got to keep it short, but for the Bears, <laughs> you got to have a quarterback that you absolutely hate if he's on the other team and you absolutely love if he's on your team. And there's only two of them that I know of, maybe three. That would be Wilson and um, um, Watson, and ma- maybe one more. But uh, and they're going to be hard to get, and we're going to have to give up, give up the farm for that. And then Wayne Franklin, uh, the Wayne – from Lafayette um, method here is Darnold and Nagy marry them at the hip. Nagy will think he was born in Popeye's chicken, but if that happens, and then <laughs> and then and then and then and then get rid of Massey and Leno, turn and get rid of them, and you save a lot of money on your on your cap hit that way. Let them go to a food eating contest, hot dogs or pancakes or whatever, all over all over Chicago, win money with them that way, and then. Get Darnold though, but um, I mean I don't. Think, what do you think about Darnold and Nagy marrying up? And uh, also, when you see the grabber or talk to him, tell him from the great Mr. Carlson on WKRP. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. All right, Wayne. Thanks for the call, man. Wow, Wayne. I I I, got, I was a little zoning out on the whole food eating contest, but anyway, um, Wayne, always great to hear from you, buddy. We love you at the score. We do. We we love you love us we love you it's it's reciprocated my friend um what oh yeah 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 I was trying to think of what I was gonna say um Sam Darnold that's interesting you bring up Sam Darnold that that's where I'll go with this call um so I would uh, my first uh, no no to Sam Darnold because it's too risky like it I like the idea because I think there is still good in him that there still is a ceiling for Sam Darnold, but the Bears are in a situation where they can't take those kind of risks. In different scenarios, if the Bears had had a better history or had had more success in the last two years, and you say, yeah, yeah, take, you know, you can afford to do that. There are things the Bears cannot afford to take chances on now because of the situation. Like, they have to know that he's going to be good. Like, Sam Darnold might be good, but they don't know that for sure. And I can't say that either of those guys, like, that. I can't say that Sam Darnold is better than... Mitchell Trubisky or Nick Foles. I can't. Um, I will say this. I will say this, that the number one guy that Kyle Long was on the score in back-to-back interviews or back-to-back days on the afternoon show with, with Parkins and Spiegel, and then yesterday with Zach Zaman, and the consistent theme in both was that he loves Sam Darnold. He does. And he, he thinks that he was hurt by being in New York. And that he thinks that, and he said this, and this is this comes from a true place because Kyle Long did not leave on under great circumstances. He was not a happy camper after he left, and part of that might have been Matt Nagy, but he had glowing things to say. Did Kyle Long about Matt Nagy and saying that he would be a great matchup for Sam Darnold and that he could work with him and that he would be a good mentor, a good coach, a good for Sam Darnold. So... Take it from from Kyle Long, but my answer to that is no. Unfortunately, you can't afford to take that chance. Um, let's go to Jack. Jack, you are on the score. How you doing, Mark? Good, um, man. How are you? A couple things real real quick on the Illini. First of all, I don't think there's ever been a three-game stretch in the Big Ten where a team has won three straight games on the road in the uh, uh, on how good the teams were in uh, – Wisconsin, Michigan, and Ohio State. That was absolutely awesome. And I'm sure the crowd did help not being there. Yeah. I don't care. Nobody's ever beat three top ten teams 
in the road on the Big Ten, and two of them without Io. Uh, second of all, I'll allude to your 2005 team, which made it more sweet yesterday, and I'm sure you remember, but um, back in 2005, we ended the regular season in Columbus and lost our un- unbeaten streak at that time thanks to a last-minute three-second uh, shot by uh, an Ohio State player. So uh, it was very sweet to earn that win yesterday. <laughs> Good call, Jack. Yeah, no, and you're right. You're right, man. I, I don't want to diminish what the Illini have done. I think the larger point is that, and, and this is all over college basketball, that there just is not another sport which is affected more by the lack of a crowd. I mean, we've all watched plenty of college basketball, and they are whipped up into a frenzy during those games, especially in some of these Big Ten venues. For sure, Michigan. For sure, Ohio State. And I think that pound for pound, Illinois, like on a neutral court, they're better than those teams. Like, that's the news flash, ladies and gentlemen. The Illini are better than you. So, and I hope that shows up in the NCAA tournament. We know that that's not always the case, but honestly, I hope that the Illini are more like the 2005 Illini than even the flying Illini from 1989. Even if they were, even if they were 1989, a little bit more flashy. All right, quick break. Come back. I got a Cubs player and a Sox player I want to talk about next on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Andrew Vaughn slugs this ball to left field. Calhoun is back. It is gone. Bring him home. That is why the White Sox are so high on the first-round pick from a couple of years ago out of Cal. Andrew Vaughn, a three-run shot in the first. One, two, check swing, and he struck him out. Well, that's the pitch right there. It's Edward Alzali striking a guy out. Bouchambi with the call on the Marquee Sports Network. Jason Benetti before that. Fine play-by-play voice for the Chicago White Sox on NBC Sports Chicago with the Andrew Vaughn call. And it is those two gentlemen that I would like to talk about on both sides of our great baseball city. I'm Mark Rody with you here on The Score. And, yeah, the, the theme with these two guys for me is just play them. Just play them. It's different with both players, though. With Adbert Alzali. Never mind competing for a spot with Alex Mills, um, whom I like. And yeah, he had a no-hitter last year. But just put Alzali in every five games to start the season. See what you got. If it's not good, then you have Mills. You have Trevor Williams. You have Shelby Miller, who was pretty good yesterday, Shelby Miller. You have Trevor Williams, all these guys standing by. I'm sure I'm leaving somebody out in that um, cavalcade of potential starters for the Cubs. Cole Stewart. <laughs> Stewart. Um, let him go. Um, let's listen to David Ross on Adbert Elzelay. You know, I'm just looking for him to continue to build on what we've um, already seen. I mean, um, he had a nice uh, couple outings for us last year. He's coming to camp uh, and done a lot of work in the offseason. I'm just looking for him to command the fastball, you know, throwing strikes, um, see what kind of shape uh, the slider has. I think the changeup, just just his four-pitch mix, just using all his pitches, uh, watching him go out and compete. I mean, at this point, for him, um, it's about going out there and competing on a daily basis. I think he's gone through the the, the prospect um, kind of journey, and now it's time to, to take that step to be a big leaguer, which I think 
um, he is, and I, I think he thinks he is, which is um, always uh, very uh, nice to see. David Ross on Edbert Alzali. Here's the thing. I'm not even a huge fan of Alzali, nor am I necessarily sold on Alzali, but he you're in a situation where you can't afford to and you should take the chance. He's 26 years old. Throws harder than anyone in the rotation. Last season, pitched in just six games, four of which were starts. One and one with a 2.95 ERA over 21 in the third innings. 29 strikeouts to 13 walks. Again, I have my doubts about him, but... Again, this is a situation, a year in which you should. You should see what you have, and he could be advertising or promotion for a potential trade down the line as well. So see what you have. Don't mess around. There's no reason to, to put just to slam dunk Alec Mills in there. I'd, I'd rather slam dunk Alzali, as in pitch him every five or six games, whatever the case may be. The guy on the White Sox, who you just play, is Andrew Vaughn. I loved that the White Sox did not pay big money for another DH because he is money, man. Like Vaughn, as in with that kind of control, like if he's good, you got another diamond on your team, man. Um, and there is the pedigree. Like he's expected to be good. Vaughn is the, it was the third overall pick of 2019. He should be a good major league baseball player. So to make him the DH, and I don't know, a lot of Sox fans were kind of PO'd that the Sox did not spend the money. They spent the money right up until they didn't with the DH. But I was always like, go with Vaughn, man. Like, he fits in. And you, you have enough big bats, like, if Vaughn isn't good, to make up for it. You know what I mean? Like, you got Eloy. You got Robert, who has looked good in this spring. You got Tim Anderson. Hopefully you have a rehabilitated Yohan Moncada this year. You have the MVP in Abreu. You have Yasmani Grant. It's a great offensive team, even without, if you, even if you take the DH out of the picture. So, man, it's like, I love it. I love that it's, it's Vaughn, or it looks like it's going to be Vaughn at the DH. And again, you're not screwed if he's not good. You know what I mean? So... Um, and here's Tony LaRussa on Andrew Vaughn. Well, I, I give a lot of credit. You know, when I was trying to get familiar with the roster, and when I talked to everybody up top, like Kenny and Rick, you know, Jeremy and I talked to uh, player development, Chris and and uh, and Doug, there wasn't anybody that was on the fence about Andrew. And so much so that uh, we're looking forward to, uh, to see him. I got to see him in January and uh, he's for real. I mean, what does that mean? I don't have a crystal ball about whether he's on the squad April 1st, but he's going to get a lot of opportunities to, to to play his way onto this team. And today was kind of starts you expect really good at bats, really nice defensive play, uh, doesn't take an inning off. He's, he's a real deal. Yeah, he's, he's a real deal. And so Tony noncommittal about – Andrew Vaughn being with the big league ball club on April 1st, but I think ultimately it's gold, man, if that guy works out as your designated hitter. One other cut that I want you to hear that I thought was interesting was from the White Sox, Liam Hendricks. Here's a bonus cut for you, a bonus Sox topic. 
And Liam Hendricks was on the score this past week with Parkins and Spiegel. Is that right? Yeah. Excuse me. I'm sorry, Dan Bernstein and Layla Rahimi. Love you. Love your show. He was on your show. And I thought that it was an interesting line of questioning from either Dan or Layla about what his actual role will be. Because as I think it was Dan who said that sometimes the game is won in the, in the fifth inning with runners on second and third and you're up one and you got to save a game. So here's Liam Hendricks on on that topic and where he fits in in this Sox bullpen. So you say the closer's role. There are some interesting forces at work right here. One is the understanding of leverage moments in modern baseball, where sometimes the game's decided with with two on and two out in the fifth. And just because the ninth inning is the last inning, it may not be where the high leverage moments come. Countervailing that would be the fact that your manager, Tony Larusa is maybe the creator of the ninth inning closer. He is he was significant in making that a role. How are these things going to balance and how do you expect to be used? Yeah, I mean obviously I've told them like I'm ready for any situation whatsoever. Uh it doesn't matter what inning, doesn't matter what anything like that. But I mean anybody who's thrown the ninth inning will tell you that those last three outs, no matter the leverage situation, no matter what's going on, the last three outs are some of the hottest outs in baseball to get. Um, then it shows, I mean, you see how many times it's like a guy will come in with runners on and everything like that, they're able to get out of it, but then all of a sudden they get that opportunity to get into the ninth inning, and it, it just changes. It's, whether it's a mindset thing, whether it's the, the importance of making sure that you're the last line of defense or whatever it is, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm up for anything. Like, if they want to throw me in the fifth inning with a couple guys on, I'm all for it. I'll be out there and I'll be ready to go, and uh, if I'm in the ninth inning, I'm in the ninth inning, and the good thing is with this bullpen, you can pretty much chop and change every single person there, whether it be the long guy, whether it be the, the middle relievers, whether it be the high leverage guys, whether it be the high leverage lefties. I mean, we've got we've got enough guys in this bullpen as it projects out now that it, you can pretty much chop and change absolutely everybody. I mean, who knows, by the end of the season, depending on how everyone else is doing, I could end up being the long guy because these guys are doing way better than I am. Who knows? That's interesting. So here's my question about that. So Liam Hendricks is obviously the, your ninth inning guy. He he is going to be your closer no matter what he's saying. What if, though, let's say either, and nobody wants this, let's say he struggles or he gets injured. Who would be the next guy up in terms of the White Sox closer? Because there's a few guys from whom to pick. I mean, I think Aaron Bummer probably comes to mind first, but I certainly don't leave Garrett Crochet out of that mix. I certainly don't sleep on... Evan Marshall, Michael Kopech, anyone? I mean, it's interesting. Like, I, I think the bullpen looks great, and this is one time, even if you are anti-Tony La Russa, where you could say, I'm kind of glad that Tony La Russa is my manager because of his track record with dealing with bullpens. Like, he knows what he's doing with starters and particularly with bullpens. So it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how that works, or even if there is sometimes a different guy in the ninth inning. The White Sox bullpen is just so fun to talk about, and hopefully it lives up to the billing, and it, I don't see any reason why it won't. When we come back here on the score, we got a jam-packed 11 o'clock hour. I want to talk about the Bulls first, 
And I have some different thoughts than maybe some of the other experts out there regarding the Bulls. You'll hear their voices. You'll hear my voice on the Bulls. And then we're going to do the the investigation on Kyle Long, my CSI investigation on the former Bears offensive lineman who had score week this week. He was on the afternoon show. He was on the weekend show with Zach Saban yesterday. So that is coming up in the 11 o'clock hour. I'm back with you here in a couple minutes on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.